0: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming
3: up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show.
1: Two points dropped at Palace in this relentless title race. Honestly, I can remember the days when drawing a game at Sellers Park didn't damage your title hopes. Wait, no, hang on—that doesn't work, does it? Either way, City did practically everything but pop the ball in the net on Monday night. And while it hasn't changed too much in terms of the table, it has seemingly ramped the pressure up another notch. And if you're anything like me, then you're already on the verge of a meltdown. So that's something we could all probably have done without. Welcome to today's Blue Moon Podcast, where we'll reflect on that goalless draw at Palace. Why couldn't City get the ball in the net? Where does that leave City in the title race picture? Why did Guardiola choose not to make any changes? We'll try to get to the bottom of all of that on today's show. Plus, we heard the new This week that City are in a good position to capture a centre forward on everybody's radar. So we'll hear from Jack Gorn, who was one of the journalists that broke the story about Erling Haaland. We'll preview the FA Cup trip to Southampton too, and we're gonna set some time aside for Scott Carson, so stay tuned for that. I'm your host, David Mooney. With me this week I'm joined by Stat City Adam Carter. Hello. And the editor of Football365, it's Sarah Winterburn.
3: Hello, David.
1: Uh, Sarah, nice to have you on. Uh, first time, uh, first time caller. I don't know. If, I, I don't even know if that works on podcasts these days. But there we are. Um, let's start with uh, with the title race picture um, because it's uh, it's twenty seven points left for City to play for now. Um, are they going to need twenty seven, Sarah?
3: <laughs> it's increasingly looking that way, isn't it? It's utterly relentless. Anyone with a memory of more than about five years can't believe this, can they? But this is how it is at the moment between these two clubs. It, anything less than perfection now, I think, is 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 as people will say, they've bottled it, they've blown it. However you put it, bizarrely taking twenty five points from twenty seven now will will be regarded as bottling it. I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not right, is it, Adam? It just isn't right.
3: <laughs> that's a
4: great point, and it is with the tribalism that's online now. Sarah's spot on there. Twenty five from twenty seven. You are useless. You you failed. You finished. You're a fraud. All those terms will be labelled to anyone who does less than maximum points here. We uh, we are, are going to need to be near perfect, and I say near perfect in the fact that my current mindset is avoid defeat to Liverpool in the home game. Win and everything do our else. Work in the other, win everything else. And it's easier said than done. But that <laughs> needs to be our minimum. How scary that that's the minimum. Like avoiding defeat to Liverpool and winning everything else is your minimum. It's the middle so of March. I'm petrified. I'm it's the petrified. middle of
1: March. Why is that? Why is this a thing in the middle of March? Um, Sarah, the next time City play in the league, uh, they could be second. Um Mm. Do, does that change anything? Do you think? Is, because there's 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 the psychological kind of I don't I don't know if I should call it a blow because they will have that game in hand over Liverpool by by that stage. But um it, it's almost like you're becoming the chasers instead of being the chased.
3: Well, it's only for half an hour, David. So I think they will be a- <laughs> <laughs> I Don't think we should should look too much into that. um it's a bizarre... You know, they've got two absolutely phenomenal sides. And, you know, this has been the case for three or four years, but this season feels utterly ridiculous. I don't think it will make a difference, actually. And I think there may even be a slight relief to be, you know, to be sort of on par rather than being chased. No one likes being chased, do they? You know, everyone wants to sort of try and catch up with someone. And that's the easier job to do, to be fair, is to catch up. Because you've got a target, haven't you? And I think being in front is a little bit, you know, looking backwards is harder so I don't I don't think Pep Guardiola will care to be honest at being second to play on that particular day and you know if they don't go to Burnley and win then it's got nothing to do with psychology is it that's just failure
1: yeah yeah, I mean that's the thing, Adam. Um, if 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 the title race in eighteen nineteen taught us anything, uh, that these games are not going to be enjoyable for for the next few months. Um, I mean, take I mean the table at the moment as it stands. Uh, City played twenty nine one twenty two goal difference fifty seventy points. Liverpool played twenty nine one twenty one goal difference fifty five. Sixty-nine points. Like it's, mm. it, it, we're already like this was the stage of the season in eighteen nineteen where the the points gap became one point again. It's like mm. it, it's it's like living that nightmare over again. I know City won the title and they won practically everything that season, but it was mm. it wasn't an enjoyable running, was it?
4: No, that it was torture, and it's weird because this is a fan base who real torture was the relegation battles that we were all used to, and now I've, I've, I've still got the. It's almost like an equal feeling, and that's a, how spoilt does that sound? But <laughs> the fact that we're stressing about and, and it's dominating the working week now in terms of all I can think about is how much we need to win the next game, and. Half an hour is a long time, Sarah, in the in the title race. Um, that <laughs> half an hour will not be uh, pleasing for for us uh, as City fans, I can assure you. But it's just, it, it's weird the levels that Klopp and Guardiola have taken to that near perfection isn't good enough. Um, and that's now adding to the stress of enjoying the games and gone are the days where you can just turn up and win now, I feel, in the Premier League, um, as we proved um midweek, oh, the early part of the week against Palace, no one's giving you an easy game, everyone's fighting for points for various reasons, various storylines in the league and it's why we call it the business end of the season, um, but it's definitely not enjoyable in a kind of sick kind of way it is, yeah. but I'd rather win it at a canter every year
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's look at that uh, that, that game on Monday night then, Sarah, because um, I, 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 I genuinely, in terms of the performance, I don't think City played too badly um, but the result Undoubtedly puts pressure on 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 that game that comes up with Liverpool now, doesn't it?
3: Uh, Massively so, and and again, you know, City didn't play badly, but it was one of those games, wasn't it? It's just I know that phrase is so predictable, isn't it? One doesn't mean anything,
1: does it? Yeah, I know what you mean.
3: It's bollocks, but it's City, you know. City (laughs) do have these games every now and again, and and it's telling, like you said, that that Pep didn't make any changes because he actually believed this is going okay. You know, it's like that's, you know, they're doing all the right things, they're getting in all the right positions, it's just not going in. And he didn't make any changes, but he does leave himself open to criticism with that, doesn't he? And especially, I suppose, in contrast with Liverpool's performance against Arsenal on Wednesday night when the bench is frightening and you bring them on and, you know, there's more goals and more goals and more goals to come. And City don't have that, but. I don't know. It's just you know, it's that patience, isn't it? Patience in the method, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They still played well. You know, Guardiola didn't come off and puffing and puffing, did he? He realised that they'd come up against a much improved Palace side, and he hit the nail on the head. Actually, you know, every every team in that division, regardless of whether they were in twelfth, thirteenth, seventh, you know, there is a narrative with every single club. You know, you might think Palace look at the table and think Palace are playing for nothing, but actually, you look, you know that. You know what that club is playing for is what players they can get in in the summer. You know, Patrick Vieira is playing for his 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 career, his future. Everything is so tight, and and City just they huffed and puffed, and they did everything right apart from the the last thing, as we all know, City can do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Adam. I don't want to. I don't want to raise any alarm, um, but uh, obviously, you know, ten years ago this year was the uh, Sergio Aguero title winner on the final day. I've already started the planning for the the kind of ten year anniversary podcast, all that sort of stuff. So that, that we are going to do something on that. Um, but there is a little niggling doubt in the back of my head that ten years on, something similar might happen. And City yeah. might not be on the positive end of it.
4: I was—I was just going to say I thought you were going to go uber u- u- positive then, and I'm thinking <laughs> I don't see—I don't you know see where.
5: Better than
4: that. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry, pal. Um, I don't see where we make up five goals without a striker on that goal difference. And no titles have been won on goal difference before, as you've said. Um, that's why I'm clinging to this one-point league, and I'm not letting that go anywhere because I'd the the, the when. We score first. We usually win. I think we've not dropped points from winning positions this year, at all. But when we don't take that the lead first, that's when it's evident that we've not got a striker on the pitch. That's almost kind of captain hindsight. Easy to say, oh, because we didn't score, we need a striker. And when we do score, we don't. But I'm just looking at the Palace game. I'm thinking we had 19 shots. We had four shots on target. 74% possession if if one of those chances goes in early on i'm thinking bernardo when he tries to round the keeper nine times out of ten he achieves that and we score we're not complaining about a lack of a striker in those games where it's not going for you the lack of the striker isn't going to make up the five gold i don't see where we outscore liverpool by five goals in the next nine games yeah i think when we do business end type of runnings we do one nil wins we manage the game we strangle the game we get our noses in front and we're almost a bit atletico madrid in that way where we we can strangle the life out of a game and be labelled boring, but we know what the plan is. Once we do go a goal ahead, it's in the lack of going a goal ahead that these start, the start, the wallpaper starts peeling off. Yeah,
1: just I, I, I mean, I, I just looking at, at, at the way that the players were, Sarah, when they when they were leaving the pitch. Um, did you did you get the impression that they felt like it was a loss, a real missed opportunity? I, I'm just, I, I can see the players on on telly as they're walking off, looking dejected.
3: Oh, absolutely! But I think that goes back to exactly what we were saying at the beginning—that any dropped points at this at this juncture, I feel like you know, feel like a dagger to the heart. They must do, because all they know is if they you know before Monday, it's like everything was right. You go out on the pitch, you win every game, and then don't lose to Liverpool, you know, or even you know, you, you, that will do the job for you. Just keep, keep going out, keep getting three points, yada 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 it all and as soon as you drop two points out of that then it all becomes a bit complex again doesn't it and i think adam's absolutely right it's this this is not a title that city are going to win on goal difference not a chance you know uh, you know from an insider from an outsider point of view from my point of view as a a fan of no premier league club but with a probably a vested interest in city married into the family
1: (laughs) Um, well welcome the water's
3: nice (laughs) (laughs) um Yes, so uh, then you know, with all the best will in the world, Liverpool do have better strikers. You know, as Gary Neville kept saying on Wednesday night, they've got five strikers who will score a lot of goals. City don't have that. City have a very different style, as we all know. They're not going to win this title. They don't have an Aguero moment in them, for that. You know, in terms of a goal difference. What they, all I they can do, like you say, is win every single game and not lose to Liverpool. And that it, it's terrible that that is the plan and that is the only plan. You know, it's <laughs> not, it's, you know, you talk about you know great title wins and how they can be won in moments, but this is not going to be a, a title. If this is a title win a city, this is not going to be a title win of moments. This is going to be a title win of just keeping on, keeping on, and. Ahead of Monday, I, I kind of thought that they were going to do that. I must say, I must, you know, I still had City as my favourites and still thought they were capable of winning every game. And I don't know, Monday was, was a little bit disheartening, wasn't it? Because you can see that happening again, because that's that's what City do. And certainly that's what yeah. this version of City do. And people will go on about, oh, they should, you know, they should have bought a striker, they should have brought in Harry Kane, they could have put you know, the Ronaldo deal, et cetera, et cetera, Captain Hindsight, like you say, who knows, you know, but, you're absolutely right. It's not about racking up those three, four nil wins. It is just about getting a one nil on the board. Whether that goal comes from Mares, Silva, Roden, whoever, you know, eight one nils and a nil nil will do it.
1: <laughs> Buckle up, everyone! It's going to be fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: are you oh. uh, are you ready for it, Adam?
4: I'm even more nervous now listening to Sarah. There, she's outlined it perfectly, <laughs> and I'm, it's weird because. I contradict myself so many times. We've we've been through these uh, title races. I, I prefer being the chaser than the chased, um, if that's the right terminology. Um, I know I what think... you mean. i said
1: chase yeah. before. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. You feel like you yeah. want to say chasey, but that's I yeah, don't exactly. Think that's the word. That's yeah. Com-
4: yeah. So um, I, I prefer being on the other side, and we've had successes from the other side. It'll be interesting to see if we've got. I I'm seeing this now as a nine-game shootout. And you've just got to match or better Liverpool's results, and it's who who's got the the nerve and the resolve over that time. I, Sure, we've got people that have been there and done that. De Bruyne has won titles, Guardiola's won titles. I can't see us blinking. And it is gonna really wind me up when that's if we if we do blink, it's gonna be a bottle job when actually you've got two amazing teams mm. just being at the top of the game. And but I'm one minute I'm quietly confident, then I think the momentum's with Liverpool. But if you'd have flipped the season round and it was us you just used our first half of the results this half of the season, we'd be the ones in the momentum. So you've just got to kind of just I close that off nine game shootout winner takes all.
1: Yeah, you say you say whoever blinks though, but I'm feeling like I've got something in my eye. You know when you can't keep your eye open <laughs> and it's just constantly like you can constantly blinking all the all the time. That's yeah. how I'm feeling at the minute. Um <laughs> we've said the performance wasn't uh, wasn't bad. Um Sarah there's a very very distinct way that city have sometimes where you can tell in the first 10 minutes, they're just not going to score. Um, I didn't feel like this was one of those games. I felt like this was this was one of those games where, uh, I mean, it's always against Tottenham where this one happens, but where the XG seems to be nearing double figures and City still come away with a nil. Um, it wasn't a performance like they, like they had against Spurs or, or, or even Everton. I know they won the Everton game, but it was still a very laboured performance. Um, there must be confidence they can take from that, even though they didn't get the result. They, they, they must feel like they're still in good form.
3: I think the way that, that, that Pep obviously sets up this, this team and the, and the sort of belief they have, they will all have been absolutely brainwashed over the last three or four years that actually that didn't, you know, never mind the result. That was that was about the performance and you did everything you were supposed to do. And it was all about, it's all about the patterns. And, you know, they don't, it, 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 I, don't I can't imagine there is, they may have walked off looking, looking a little bit perturbed, but they'll have got in that dressing room and, and Pep will have said, no, nope, don't worry about it. You played really well. We do that again, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, that wins the game. And uh, you know, the, the question marks will start if it. I mean, more so if that happens at Burnley um, in two weeks' time, and and possibly the FA. I think the FA Cup game is. I know we're going to come to that later, but I do actually think that's really sort of upped in importance now yeah. because of the last two results. You know, you draw a couple in a row. You you know, without a lot of goals and. Things start, you know, those little, even even players who've been listening to Guardiola telling them they're the best for the last three or four years are going to start questioning it if, if it, you know, if it happens again against Southampton.
0: Yeah. So I
3: think this, this game now is actually really important. This is like, you know, let's score two, three, four goals and kind of just try and put that to bed. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, you know, they... they Everyone talks about Liverpool as a mentality monsters. I hate that. It's like, you know, you, you don't you don't stay at the top of where city have been the last four or five years if you don't have the same standard of mentality. Yeah, Obviously we yeah. don't we don't hear about that because, you know, at Liverpool this means more. So you
0: know <laughs> you yeah. don't
3: have the same, you know, and as someone in the in the media who writes about it all, we all know Liverpool, you know, Liverpool equals clicks equals engagement, man, man city doesn't. Which is why Liverpool get written about so much more. You know, this means more because this means more clicks. That's how I do. <laughs> But City don't, you know, have had have, have 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 got that mentality. Of course they do. You know, and, and you're talking about the title race of 1819. Funnily enough, I was we were just writing about that now because we were talking about the, the closest title races with nine games to go, and obviously that's one of them. And, you know, and everyone at that point was talking about Liverpool, you know, the destiny, that the destiny of the Liverpool was going to win the title. It was all about that, wasn't it? And it was all about their, you know, they were going to end the run and, and, and City were almost forgotten in that. And it was a real sort of collective sort of sigh from anybody, non-City, when City actually did hang on to win it. You know, that that took amazing mentality. And a lot of those players are still at the club. And us, you know, remember that title race. And at the end of the day, they came out on top of that, you know.
0: Yeah.
3: And, and that memory will be with them. You know, the only one that Liverpool have won, they, they, like you say, they won at a canter. It wasn't, you know, when it came to a tight title race, it was City that won it.
1: Yeah, I just hope that Burnley game in a fortnight not like the one that we had three years yeah, ago. I, I, I couldn't deal with that one again.
0: Tax day is
4: coming. Oh, no.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
6: Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts.
1: Adam, just on the performance, uh, we mentioned the substitutions thing earlier. This is uh, what Pep said after the game uh, in his press conference about it.
6: I was thinking about that to put Gabriel Raj, Gundo, but the guys who were playing are playing good. Uh... The game was in a high, high rhythm, and yeah, today I decided to continue with these guys.
5: Please give us your backing. Patreon.com/slash Blue Moon Podcast.
1: I I sometimes wonder, you know, Adam, if if Guardiola is he's so much focused on tactics before the game, but then mm-hmm. during the game, it's a lot more about rhythm. And yeah, I I think he's I think he's in in a weird way scared of putting somebody on the pitch who's cold, who's yep. not not yep. kind of in the in the momentum of the game. Yeah and it all going wrong from that
4: I, I totally get it and i almost sometimes think that pep likes to prove a point in that the plan that he wanted to execute from minute zero is the right plan that should have won that game if bernardo takes his chances if laporte takes his chances Greeley should have came off that pitch with four assists and that he his argument would be that the plan worked my only argument against the rhythm of the match is palace were making substitutions which nullified any momentum we had like physical momentum i know he's talking about people that are currently playing in the game so they have a feel for how the game's going but i think when the opposition are making changes that's almost your opportunity as an opposition manager to reset obviously i'm sat in my bedroom recording a podcast he sat on the bench at sellers park so he knows a lot more than me but uh, my opinion- yeah, a little bit <laughs> my, my opinion is if the if the match is being um you know upset by their uh substitutions that's probably a good opportunity to make yours but i think pep is a trying to prove a point that his tactic was the right tactic and who are we to argue um and is he almost is he almost sending a message or kind of my question out into the universe is what message is that sending to the people who are on the bench that aren't getting on
1: yeah, I see what you mean, because mm, yeah. because if you're Raheem Sterling, you're thinking, well, I could yes. come on and get a goal If you're Gabriel yeah. James, you think I could come on and, and, and get the winning goal. But equally, yeah. you know, they, they might they might start the game at Burnley and get the winning goal. So it could be it could mm. quite easily be the other well, way Well, it could
4: around. be a driver for them. It could be an inspiration yeah. for the weekend at Southampton or the Burnley game. So I'll show you. You know, the, there's going to be a method in his madness, isn't there? Let's have it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, just
4: uh, sarah give us a give us
1: an outsider's perspective on this because it's very easy for uh, for us to sit here and look at this and go well city have dropped seven points now in the last seven premier league games uh but it, it it's also very easy to look at that run and go well, city have only dropped seven points in the last 19 premier league games um where do you think the balance should lie in that
3: unfortunately we always talk about recent form don't we and, and and klopp was very good about the momentum um on wednesday night when he said it was it was like a flower it can be crushed really easily and if and if you're flying just on momentum, that's that's not great. But it does, it, you know, the power of that is massive. That kind of just that feeling. And anyone who's ever played football knows that feeling when you walk on a pitch and you go, well, we can't we can't lose this. And you go you, can, you go one 0 down and you still think, oh, yeah, whatever, we can still do this. And then the opposite is that kind of, you know, this is happening again feeling, which was what I was talking about with the Southampton game. But if you get to an hour in and you still can't score a goal, then you start thinking, "Oh, this is happening again. This is happening again," and that psychologically is massive. I think because you you do get stuck in that sort of feeling of of sort of you know positive momentum and negative momentum. Um, so I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Because ev- all the headlines are Liverpool have won nine in a row, and to look at that as a city fan or as a city player is is quite damaging, isn't it? Because relentless, I yeah.
1: Know,
3: I you know. I want to have won nine games in a row, you know, it feels like they've got, they have got the momentum and there's no point denying that they haven't got the momentum, but Klopp is right. That can be destroyed really quickly. At the moment they're riding this kind of, oh, chase of the quadruple, nine Premier League games in a row and all that stuff. You know, what the, the good thing about that is, is a small blow to that could actually shatter it. You know, that's the nice thing. But yeah. you want to talk about City, well, you know, we can go back again to this idea that they'll have bottled it if if they cock it up now. I think that's only the case if if they lose three or four of these games. If they win, if they win eight and, and lose against Liverpool, is it still a good season? Possibly. Had you know, no. That's the that's it. Will come down to that, won't it? If people <laughs> can say it's been a terrible season for City. That glorious run, of sort of October, November, December, and all that, will be forgotten
7: because yeah.
3: unfortunately, you know, minds are short, aren't they? Memories are short when it comes to football. And we only hear, we only think about the last five, six, seven games, or or nine Premier League games. If you're a Liverpool fan, <laughs>
0: um,
1: Adam, the uh, the final point for the the first part of the show, I want to come to you because you you alerted me to this. Uh, this is the third time this season that City have failed to score in back-to-back games. Uh, before this season, it's only ever happened once in Guardiola's reign. The last time there were two nil nils back-to-back, uh, Manuel Pellegrini was the manager. It was Norwich and Kiev. Um, I I, I I don't want to ask the striker question again, but it, it, mm. is it is it, is there something different about this season that means they're not scoring in back to back games? Yeah,
4: that's my first instinct, and it's the easy, probably lazy answer about the striker. To touch on Sarah's previous point about it's only a bad moment if you don't score or. Don't play well in the next game, and under Guardiola, we've been really good at bouncing back after defeats and going on other runs. But when you, this is the first time under Guardiola, we've we've seen games drift by without putting the the goal, the, the ball in the net. That you can only point to that lack of a striker. Obviously, we're we're, we're led to believe that we're making waves in repl, uh, replacing Aguero, and um, how we're still saying that twelve months on, I'm not quite sure. Um, but it's it's alarming that guardiola even if we're not playing well we find ways to score goals he's got creativity all over the pitch we're practically playing with 10 number 10s on the pitch sometimes and and no number nine or focal point so it's it's an alarming stat and one that i was surprised had only happened once completely before and yet we've had it we've faced it three times this year so easy lazy answer zero striker zero zero chances
1: Yeah, well, uh, watch this for one of the most seamless links that we've ever done on this show, because (laughs) one of the answers to that problem, uh, that City haven't scored enough in tight games this season, could be solved with the signing of a centre-forward. This week, we saw the news that that City could be in the driving seat for one of Europe's most wanted. The Daily Mail's northern football reporter, Jack Gorn, is one of those who's worked on the story of City approaching Erling Haaland. I've been speaking to him to find out more about it.
7: What we know so far is that um, there's an expectation around Europe that Haaland is going to go to Man City. It's like the talk of the talk of football Um, at the moment City as far as I'm aware know how much it's going to take all all in everything and they think they can finance it Uh, so but then there's also Real Madrid in the background um, which is what was written in the story uh, which people have kind of ignored (laughs) uh, as is their want uh, and how things work on social media so at the moment they're in they're in pole position um, but I think I've said this. I said it on your podcast and other podcasts before. Is that chance? stories are are an absolute nightmare, and you try you try your very best not to not to write them. To be honest, just because it's um, it, it can be so fraught. But we had so much stuff coming in about Harland that between both, because it wasn't just me that wrote. It, it was a colleague uh, in the northeast, Craig Hope, as well. We had enough between us to think right, we're gonna to have to do a proper a proper job on this. Um and that's what we've tried to do, just try to tell the story as it is in the here and now.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean the, the one thing I was keen to say is that uh that you are absolutely not saying that City are going to sign Haaland this summer, is it? That, that that's that's the I think that's that's one of the key things to get across here that City are in maybe they're in pole position, but that like, it's not confirmed it's one hundred percent gonna yeah, happen. I
7: don't, wanna, I don't wanna come on here having written a story that's gone on the back page of the paper and on Saturday, come on here and say, Oh, he definitely oh, I didn't say I never said he was gonna sign. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The feeling is that he he will sign for City and City know how much it's gonna take. Uh City only know how much it's gonna take because the negotiations have gone alright with, with the various parties, which you know points you in a in a direction um that that he will end up in in Manchester. I mean probably the the, the important thing to say about these sort of stories is that like you're never gonna get well, I'm never going to get. Maybe people, other people would, but I'm. I would never have a, someone come to me and say, "Erling Haaland's going to sign for Man City. It's all done," and and I just go, "All right. Well, he's told me then. That's great. We'll just do it." It's like the sort of anatomy of these sort of stories is that you have to like piece little bits together from four, five, six different places to give you like an overall picture of what's happening, um, and that's how we've done it. Um, with this, with this story, that kind of a number of different elements have gone into it. That has, you know, has now made us feel emboldened to write that. Yeah, they are the favourites, um, and yeah, the people around Europe are uh, not resigned to them going there. But that is the that is the feeling.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask how um, how much of a role Real Madrid still have to play in this? Is there have they? I mean, I don't. I know you 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 won't know exactly what's what kind of what's going on behind the scenes, but do you get the feeling that um, they've still got more cards that they could play?
7: Yeah, was well, Real Madrid in it? It's kind of last year when everyone was talking about how they, they had no money to well, kind of a lesser extent to Barcelona. Was, I always say like. They just find millions of quid down the back of the sofa. It's like these Spanish clubs find find a way. It was similar when Barcelona signed um Torres. I remember when a few of us wrote the story that he was gonna to go to Barcelona and he got dogs abused because people like, Well, they have no money, so you're just talking absolute rubbish. It's like, well, no, they they, they just find they find ways of doing it. I mean that the interesting thing with Madrid is the Mbappe situation. Um and Paul Bayus wrote in the Times um, the other day, that you know, if if Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, then Haaland is not going to happen, and Paul's got far better contacts at Real Madrid than I have. Um, so yeah, but they're always sort of Real are always like there, aren't they? Yeah, you're sort of at like the whim of um, the people that run that club, and there's been people at City over the years that have told me that um, as soon as if they're going for a player, Frankie de Jong's a great example, actually. Going for Frankie de Jong, but well, as soon as Barcelona were coming in for him, they went, well, we've had it. Because you can't compete. Even City with, you know, the what they can offer and the upward trajectory of the club and Pep and everything like that, even then, they couldn't convince de Jong that that was the place to be rather than Barcelona because of what because what Barcelona represents. And Madrid is exactly the same. So you could never, like I would love to have said on Friday night, Saturday morning, that Erling Haaland is definitely going to sign for City. It's a better story. But while Real Madrid are there, you can't say definitively. Yeah.
1: Um, you said earlier as well that uh, City have kind of done the maths and they know how much it will cost. I mean, the, the release clause is, what, 63 million, but I'm guessing it'd be yeah. quite a lot higher than that.
7: Yeah, this is, so the 63 million release clause... Um, that's been reported for I don't know that's like two or three years now, isn't it? That's been that's been reported that release clause plus uh, to be an agent fee, um, and and he's and Harland's looked after by uh, Mina Raiola, as everyone knows. Plus his uh, plus his dad Alfie, who's played for City and Leeds, uh, is involved too. And then there will be a signing on bonus. So the likely sort of total outlay of the, the fee um, would be closer to hundred. Uh, which would obviously be in line with what he spent on Grealish um, last summer, and then and then the wages it would be interesting to see what the what the wages would be, um, whether they will break their wage structure for him or not. I suspect they won't because that's not what they do. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, in terms of uh, Raiola, it's not uh, it's no secret that him and and Guardiola have not exactly had the greatest relationship. Is that is there anything to worry about in that? Do you reckon?
7: Uh, no, I don't think so. I, it's just one of those things. Like People in football don't like each other, just like in people in business don't like each other, but they still do business together. Um, and yeah, all right, maybe that might have a, a bearing on City signing one of Raiola's lesser players. But this is, you know, this guy's going to be the best striker in Europe for the next 10 years. And if City can get him for half a decade or whatever, they'll, they'll probably, they'll just park their problems with Raiola because that's just, that's the way it is. That's what they've got to do. Um, and the thing is, there's not, there's not that many other options, really. I, I don't think as a number nine, like Pet, really wants a number nine, wanted one last summer. Harland was, Haaland was first choice this, this time last year over Kane. Um, they realized they weren't going to, going to be able to get Harland last summer, turned to Kane. Um, and now they've kind of reverted to reverted to the number one priority. Months later, but that they went through harlan and then Kane last summer just showed up like, which is desperate for one, weren't they? He's been yeah. saying it all. He's been saying it all year as well. Like, yeah, okay, we're, we're playing great without one, um, but as soon as we start losing games, you're going to turn around to us and say, well, you didn't sign a striker, um, and he's saying that because it's in the back of his mind that he knows that they need one. Um, and the 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 thing about this season has been that they found and last season to a lesser extent they've just found a way of playing differently it's not that they want to play that way they've just found a way of doing it yeah
1: it's a lot easier if you have that option there as well isn't it that's the thing um yeah. uh, just i mean just on guardiola as well because there'll be there'll be people listening to this saying well uh, you know maybe joining the dots and getting 2 plus 2 equals 10 I don't know but it's there's uh, is there any talk of guardiola potentially signing an extension if, if if this transfer were to come off
7: I'll be completely honest with you as I always am i have not even bothered asking uh, because the run-up to him signing that new contract last season was so fraught, and like it was just every week. People forget. It was just like six months of, we need to find out what's going on with Pep's contract, as he went down to his last, like... But by the time he signed it, when did he sign it? The October of November? Uh, yeah, he it was,
1: was right ahead of that Spurs game, wasn't
7: it? Yeah, in November, wasn't it? I mean, he got six months left on his deal by the time he signed it. Um, it was really... So that was quite a it took I'll be honest with you, mate, it took fucking ages to find out what was going on. <laughs> um this time yet. Yeah, but there will come a point, you know, when summer hits and when they, when they've made the signings, the obvious news cycle would be then to go and say, Well, come on then, what's happening with PET's contract? Yeah.
1: Um, the, another detail from the story was uh that uh, the left back situation uh, obviously if they if they do go and spend a load of money on Erling Haaland that might not leave the money available to go out and get a left back. Are are they that worried about that sort of stuff you see now Cancelo has been playing you know the the, the situation at left back doesn't look quite as as problematic as it as it did previously?
7: No, I think I I think quite a lot of that depends on Zinchenko. Um if Zinchenko for if he if he was desperate for a move um Then they would sort of like look at the left back situation slightly more seriously than they are doing now. Um, But that was another, I mean, the left back thing is another element of the story that made me think, right, this is on, this is, there's something here. Because I was getting, I've been told for months and months that they were timing out left backs um, ahead of next summer. And then the messaging has kind of changed um, to the players that they might, that they kind of, looking at uh as if to say like our eyes are elsewhere so i i wonder whether like a few months ago whether they didn't really think they were going to get harland i know that they they were really worried about madrid a few months ago and they they didn't think they were going to get mad in madrid and they still might not but they're more confident than they were so when they were less confident they sort of they were talking about left back a little bit more because obviously they would spend less money on a striker now so when i got told last week I mean that's the second time I've written about the left backs as well in in the week, but he didn't really get picked up um, a few days before. As soon as he said that about the left backs, that are kind of not not as bothered, might still sign one, but probably won't kind of thing. I was like, right, that is that's really significant, and that's what I was meaning before when he kind of like piecing stuff together. Those are the sorts of things that make you go, okay, this is this is taking it on now. There's something there's something happening. Something substantial.
5: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
1: That was Jack Gawne talking about the Erling Haaland story this week. Uh, let's talk about uh, City's FA Cup tie at Southampton. Uh, and let's bring in Sam Tai from the Ranks FC podcast and the Southampton magazine. Hi, Sam. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Um, I, I think the first thing to to ask you is uh, kind of where are Southampton at right now? Because from the outside looking in, it could be very easy to claim that in some games, Southampton are very much season over on the beach.
2: So it's an interesting one. Uh, 2022 has largely been very, very kind to Southampton. And up until about a couple of weeks ago, quite a few people, myself included, were raving about the performances and the results and the fact that they managed to lift themselves to 35 points and just be like absolutely nowhere near that horrifying looking relegation scrap, which everybody thought, including all Southampton fans, including myself, everyone thought that they'd be a part of. There's just nothing to do with it. So pat yourselves on the back for that. Then it becomes about trying to build some momentum and trying to put together a a bit of a semblance of new identity and trying to sustain that momentum. And it's just kind of faltered off a little bit recently. I wouldn't go as far as to say that people are on the beach or packing it up. Obviously, Ralph Hasenhüttl wouldn't stand for that. But um, ultimately, this is a team that is kind of powered by three or four really important players. And the majority of those are very young and they're improving exponentially as the season goes by. Armando Breuer has just is like literally it's about 50 times better than he was at the start of the season. I'm not exaggerating. It is ridiculous watching this man get better and better with every passing week. Mohamed Sadassou, similar bracket, and Valentina Livramento, similar bracket. When your players that are powering you are this young and this inexperienced, your team just kind of goes up and down a little bit. And they've been on a wonderful run. The villa game was a bit odd. Um, It did bring them back down to earth a little bit. The Newcastle one, following that, uh, was relatively evenly contested. Newcastle deserved the win, but Saints went poor. And then Southampton just kind of beat themselves against Watford, to be honest with you. Some tomfoolery at the back, you know, passing it around and getting intercepted. They just kind of handed the win to Watford on a plate. So disappointing recent run um but ultimately it'd been about two and a half months of all smiles and sunshine and for a team like Southampton for most teams in the world of football that cannot continue can it for that much longer
1: (laughs) yeah um Adam the 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 question I've got for City fans on this one is um Southampton have put up two really really good performances against City this season so does this make you nervous ahead of of this FA Cup tie
4: yeah I think we've really struggled against Southampton I think they've had our number for majority of the game we were kind of the second half in the away game we kind of came into our own, but I think the other three halves that were faced them, or three halves of football were faced in the season were relatively well matched and they probably deserved more at the Etihad if the Kyle Walker penalty get doesn't get uh, revoked. Um, where City are at at the moment, I think we need a reaction from the Palace result and the FA Cup's probably the perfect opportunity for that, um, so I'm expecting us to go all out. The shackles are off from the Premier League uh, strains, and it's an it's an opportunity to for some of the fringe players even to get into Pep Guardiola's thinking and to really um, give a good account of ourselves and express ourselves and get those the free flowing goals that when they do go in and with, with the lack of a striker isn't apparent so I'm really confident about this one and that'll probably really come back to help me because you know I'm not very confident but I think <laughs> I think they've had they've more than had our number in the league game and when tactics really matter are in league games and I think because it's a straight knockout now It'll go out the window, and I think if it's a shoot to the finish, we should just have too much in terms of creativity. But it won't be easy. But I'm expecting a result from our side of the fence, regardless of what Southampton brings to the table.
1: Yeah, Sarah, it's um, you talking <laughs> before about the the need for a good performance. Um, I I almost wonder if it's the other way around, and City just need to not get knocked out. Do you know what I mean?
3: I think the two go hand in hand at the moment with this. I, I don't think I don't think City can afford to to. To not to win this game, I think it's massive. I think it's massive in terms of of the momentum of of ending that little run of not being able to score goals. I know you mean about just just getting through it. I think I think they need both. I think City need both massively. I think, like you said, the shackles are going to be off this weekend in terms of the league. That sort of feeling of you know any slight wrong move is is the end, is the bottle job, is everything that we've already talked about about throwing it away. So that, that 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 goes, doesn't it? But then, then also you have this weight of the last two games, and also the weight of of, of Southampton, like you say, matching City this season. You know, the only the only clubs they don't want to play at the moment are a um, Southampton, Palace, and Tottenham. Any anyone else? <laughs> fine, bring it on. Those three they want to stay well away from. And I think you were talking about uh, Pep not making changes either night. He will make change for the Southampton game and. And to him, I, I guess that makes more sense that he brings in a, a Sterling or a Jesus and says, right, go on, you show me now. And and that's going to be massive, I think. And yeah. it's interesting what Sam was saying about Southampton. It, it made me think of Arsenal when he was talking about that, about that thing of when you have these young players, these really young players, you can get a, a nine out of ten performance and then the next week you get a six out of ten. And City will really be hoping that Southampton pull up with a six out of ten. Yeah,
1: undoubtedly. I mean, Sam, The in terms of the, the two games that, that Southampton have played against City so far this season, um, is there any reason for them to do anything different? The the the, the setup from Ralph Hasselhooten has been, um, well, it's been almost perfect in both games.
2: Yes, it has. Um, I was super impressed with Southampton at the Etihad earlier in the season. Uh, and bear in mind as well that the context of that result, like it's very different to the run of form and the run of performances they've been on when they met the second time. At St Mary's, when obviously Southampton were in a much better place, early on in the season, it took Southampton, I think it was roughly seven games to win a game of football this season. Uh, They drew a lot of them and they finally beat Leeds 1-0 in one of the most nervous games of football I've ever seen. And look, it changed from there. But City was right in that early patch of we're still not really sure if we're any good and it has become apparent that southampton are well at least a mid-table side and they're, they're sailing clear but back then back then they really needed a performance like that and southampton against the big t- uh, the big sides against the top 6 it kind of feels like it goes one way or the other either southampton turn up and ruin the party or they lose by 6 or 9 it, it, it's it's that um it's that aggressive in the way it sways so for for city at least this season they've managed to to match them um they were so good at the etihad I think they pressed at the right times and they sat in at the right times and removed space between the lines. The 4-4-2 four, four, or the 4-2-2-2, two, 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 as I should call it, because Hazlund Hüttel would shout at me if he <laughs> heard me call it a 4-4-2. Four, four, he absolutely hates it when it's labelled as that. That system that he has put together, and that's his preferred system, it doesn't work for everybody and he does have to move away from it every now and then. But it seems to do OK against City, at least in the current guise. So I'm not expecting much to be different this time around. I mean, Southampton's big question marks are whether or not some of the players I've already mentioned, Breuer and Livermento, are fit enough to start because they've kind of been, I don't want to say overused, is definitely overused, Breuer a little bit more in and out, but recently they've just lost that momentum and fluency and they'll probably be hoping that both of these guys are okay to to play um, and continue what they've been doing because, again, they've both been, I think, really important in the context of, of Southampton's system and the approach they like to take Against teams like City,
1: yeah, uh, Sarah. What what do you think City need to do differently from the previous meetings with Southampton? I mean, other than you know not go behind or and, <laughs> and actually score a goal, actually, like do something you know to to actually change the pattern of the game.
3: You've absolutely taken my ideas right out of my mouth. They <laughs> need to defend better, score goals. <laughs> I suppose it's about that that system is it suits southampton in the sort of the narrowness of it and it's sort of that's you know the patience that city require to kind of constantly be going round the outside round the outside and what we see from city of course is overloading that left side all the time now that didn't work very much very well with livermendo did it uh, last time so maybe there has to be a bit of variation in attack there i always feel like city could do far more down the right and probably make make far greater inroads down that right and certainly against Southampton who sometimes struggled on the left side of defence so you know if if you ask Pep he'll just say the same again the same again and and unfortunately that usually is the answer with City and it is usually the answer of keep going and keep going because it will work and you know the last three or four years have shown us it does tend to work eventually I don't think they'll change a great Southampton certainly won't change a great deal but I don't think City are in a position where they're going to change to combat that. I think they just need to do what they were doing, but do it better.
1: Yeah. Um, Adam, the, you think of historically uh, City going to Southampton as well, certainly since Southampton's return to the Premier League, it's about 10 years ago now as well. Um, it, it's never been, even though City have had some big wins there, even even the even the couple of kind of three nils I can think of, I, I, always, rem- I always think of that they were actually late goals that made it, like put the gloss on a performance. It's always been a tricky place, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, we've been there thirteen times, I think, and eight of those we've either not scored or only scored one uh, goal in those. So they've always been tight affairs. Um, we've only scored one in our last two, one in in each of our last two games there. We got beat the the game before that. We've lost four, I think, at Saint Mary's. So it's not a happy hunting ground. It's never, like you say, we've we've scored three on three occasions, I think, or to t- certainly two occasions. But it's never been a barnstorming performance in those. It was almost like you say against the run of play or against a counter attack at the at the end of games. We've never really had it our own way. Where Southampton haven't really turned up. I, I remember the hundred point season where we really needed to grind out we were the best team in the league by far 100 points would prove that yet we and in a nothing game for Southampton at the end of a season yet we still didn't have it our own way and it was literally the 90 odd minute before we got our breakthrough so we there, there is there is an element of having to plug away and really dig in when we go to Saint uh, St Mary's or and we, we never really have it our own way and it's not been the happiest of hunting grounds and those stats kind of allude to that
1: yeah, you're not making me... After we've just spent 10 minutes talking about City needing to score more goals, you're not exactly filling me with confidence in uh, an FA Cup tie. Um, my, my
4: prediction will shock you in a bit.
1: Well, well, I, I look forward to it. Sam, um, if Southampton are going to knock City out in this game, who are the players that will do it? You mentioned a few already.
2: Is there anybody that, uh, that that you've not mentioned yet? Well, assuming fitness for some people, um, basically the the key man at the back for Southampton, well, there's kind of three, but like... From a defensive standpoint, it's tended to be that if Mohamed Salasu plays very well, Southampton probably win or at least draw. Now, obviously, it's a cup game, so someone's got to lose. But they—they they in this case, they will compete. He's had an absolutely magnificent season. Mohamed Salasu has really, really come to the fore. He was barely a part of last season. Uh, and in fact, I think he got most of his minutes last season at left back in a very strange lopsided formation that hasn't hustled rolled out. I think looking back on it now, I think he might have been teaching Salasu a few things about what it's like to play in that area, because then that relates to how he operates in the centre-back role. But if you're looking for a player who can aggressively dominate on the halfway line and cover a huge channel of space and mix in that reading of the game with just the ridiculous aggressiveness in duels, then Salasu is that player. And it's on City, really, to try and pull him around and try to move him around with reverse passes and quick combos and try to, to bait him into coming out because he wants to be aggressive. But more often than not, he reads every situation perfectly. The fullback combo I love. Um, I don't know exactly which combination it's going to be, but if it's Livermento on the right and Carl Walker peters on the left, honestly guys, this reminds me a little bit of your fullback combination because Carl Walker Peters from the left-hand side is right footed, but I think he's he's better off the left wants to come inside into the channel and link and almost play central midfield at times, he's basically like Cancelo Light. And that is a player that I've compared him to all season long. He's a great watch in the same way that Cancelo is. And then Livermento is basically Kyle Walker. He just sprints up and down, up and down, up and down. He is pure speed and power and stride. And it's just a great combination to watch. So when those three players play well, they tend to set a platform for Southampton. And Saints is, yeah, the midfield two is set and Romeo will, will try and kick everybody and James will prowse will be quite aggressive and quite ratty and quite difficult to play with. And of course, if you give him a free kick, he might just pop it in from 25 yards. The front four has kind of moved around a little bit. It doesn't really matter who plays unless, unless it's someone like in majestic form. But Stuart Armstrong is perennially underrated by I think just most fans. And... He's the kind of player that I'm sure you've all all got these yourselves as well. The kind of player that every club he plays for, the fan base of said club always speaks really, really highly of him. But fans that he hasn't played for, they don't really necessarily understand just how good he is. And it's those kind of ghosting movements in off the right, the off the ball stuff, the interlinking, the overloading. And it's just really hard to keep track of. And he's better at shooting and goal scoring than you ever give him credit for. So if Armstrong's fit to play and he's off that right side and he's, he's moving inwards as Livermento steams up the flank, that that's where the magic comes from for Southampton, I'd say.
1: Yeah. Adam, I don't know when Sam was speaking then, I don't know if, uh, if the same name jumped to your mind, but I went Gareth Barry. Who did you think?
4: Yeah, that was exactly mine. I, owe, yeah. I will defend Gareth Barry to the hilt and rival fans don't seem to get it. It's one of those where you only appreciate when you see them week in, week out and not just 10 minutes on match of the day.
1: Yeah, and of course, a, a very famous own goal at uh, St Mary's to uh, to <laughs> to win the game for Southampton one year. Um, yeah. yep. we're, we're going to come to the charity bet shortly. Uh, one, I know, Adam, I know you like your stats, uh, so I, I had you researching this one. And uh, mm. Southampton will, if they avoid defeat... Uh, become the first team to play three games against City and not lose since Blackburn did it in 2006 uh, seven. Others have since played City more than three times in a season uh, and avoided defeat in three, but City have also won a game against them. So, like uh, Chelsea last season, they played them four times. Mm-hmm. Chelsea won three and and, and City won one. Uh, no team has uh, met City exactly three times and uh, and avoided defeat in all three since Blackburn in 2006 seven. So uh, there we go. That, uh, that that that's one to hang you out on if uh, if uh, if Southampton <laughs> knock City out of the weekend uh right we've raised 1,230 pounds for the season so far for the Man City fans food bank support they're collecting for the Trussell Trust to help those living in food poverty in greater Manchester William Hill is giving each of us a 10 pound correct score single on City's games uh we'll start with the guest uh Sam what uh what are you going for for this uh for this one it's, uh, it's after 90 minutes so what's your uh, what's your score prediction
2: I mean every time I come and come on and speak to you I always say City win and like honestly more often than not, it actually hasn't happened, which I'm I, I'm in disbelief about, but there we go. So I'm just gonna continue to play the odds and I'm gonna continue to predict a Manchester City win. and just be objective and rational about it as much as I obviously don't want to see it happen because Southampton do have a bit of a dark horse feel to them. I really wish they were entering this fixture with just a little bit more momentum, a slightly different period of the year because it could be so, so special for them. But yeah, I'll go 2-1 City.
1: Well, 2-1 City is 17-2 to 2 and uh, we'll add £85 into the kitty if you're right. Uh, Adam, what's, uh, what are you going for?
4: Well, before Sam had scared me with his dynamic duo of wing-backs, I was going <laughs> for a high 3-0, so I'll stick with that. And I'm just going 3-0 from City's perspective of needing a big result and not necessarily where Southampton are at currently. Well,
1: you've 3-0. got to you've got to stick with three 0 because that's the only one I've checked the odds for, and I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not flexible enough to do it while we're recording. So, uh, fifteen to two and seventy five pounds if you're right, uh, Sarah. You were you were a bit uh, pessimistic about City's scoring chances. So, what have you gone for? <laughs>
3: uh, well, I resisted the nil nil and went for a repeat of the of the last Premier League game of a one all. I think I can absolutely see that happening. Like you said. Southampton have kind of had City's number a bit this season I I think 3-0 is a beautiful beautiful dream Adam but (laughs) (laughs) allow
4: allow me allow me
1: (laughs) (laughs) well if it uh, if it does finish one all it's 10 to 1 and 100 pounds for the Kitty Uh, remember you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for more on gambling responsibly take a look at BeGambleAware.org Sam Tai from the Ranks FC podcast thank you very much for joining us today thanks for having me guys always a pleasure Now then, on last week's podcast, we were celebrating the Cumbrian brilliance of City's veteran goalkeeper, Scott Carson. Thanks to everyone who got in touch to tell us about the flag of Cumbria as well. It's been retweeted on our Twitter page if you want to go and take a look. Anyway, Carson's appearance against Sporting and Guardiola's words about him in the week in a bit since got us thinking a little bit about the third goalkeeper. Sam Roscoe is dedicating some time to celebrating him this week.
5: In the 73rd minute of the second leg of City's Champions League win over Sporting Lisbon, a great cheer went up around the Etihad. Veteran goalkeeper and cult hero Scott Carson was coming off the bench.
6: Scott is very important for us and always, always behind the scenes. But the reason the chemistry with Eddie, with Zach, is fundamental in the locker room as well. So the people listen to him a lot when he talk. And uh,
5: yeah, with a game like this, it was so important to to make a... The biggest save to not lose the game. That was Guardiola speaking after the game. In his next press conference, he was asked if the youngsters on the bench might feel disheartened to see an older player coming on instead of them. Again, Guardiola underlined the importance of having someone like Carson at the club.
6: One of the best advice I could give to young players, stay around to scout Carson as much as possible in the locker room on the pitch. They spend a lot of time and they listen to him and listen to him and listen to him and everything he says on the locker room he pay attention, they pay attention. This is the best advice, advice they can get and the best learnings. It's the end of his careers. Every second he training, every minute he gets on the pitch and on the pitch in the locker room is like, a, wow to be with uh, old people. They are wiser.
5: That was the second time Carson had played for City. His debut was about 10 months earlier, in a 4-3 win at Newcastle. It was the midweek after City had won the title and the first dead rubber of the season. After that match, the goalkeeper spoke to
0: the Premier League. For me, personally, it was it was brilliant to get a game. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous before, because I think it's been over two years. So, But once that whistle goes, you... I just, I forgot the the feeling of how much I, I enjoyed it and why I've loved playing football since I can remember and obviously the lads come up to me after the game and first thing I said is there's only there's only me that plays in them sort of games <laughs> I think it, we said it would have been a, a boring nil-nil if Eddie played I think He thought it was a reward for the work he'd been doing as the third goalkeeper in training Someone just said that it was 10 years ago since I played a Premier League game so there does come a point where you think you're never going to ever get the chance again and it's never stopped me working hard and enjoying what I'm doing day in, day out. and uh, I'll just keep keep doing what I've been doing and supporting the lads best I can. After
5: the game, Guardiola explained how the squad were just as happy as he was to see the veteran start his first game.
6: The people maybe doesn't know he was a real leader for us. He, he says straight away the young guys and the old guys what he believes, have a lot of experience, have been in incredible locker rooms and big teams. And he's an incredible person, and we are delighted—not just me. I know uh, Eddie, the, f- the second one, and Zach, and especially, of course, them. But especially as well the the players. The, uh, today he could play. So yeah, it was three goal set pieces, couldn't do anything. But
5: uh, yeah, uh, so happy for him to make a debut, a debut for us. It turns out that Carson's debut came a year later than planned. Too, Guardiola had promised the goalkeeper an appearance during project restart. But Edison was still chasing the golden gloves on the final day of the season against Norwich. Carson told City TV what
0: happened. He pulled me before the game and said, um, "I was going to play you, but obviously I, Eddie's desperate for the golden glove." And I was, I was like, "No, no, it's definitely went. But if they score, you can, you'll come on." And I think they scored after 15 minutes, and we got VAR uh, reeled it offside, so um, it, it didn't happen. And I thought that was that was probably my chance come. At
5: that point, Carson was still only on loan at City. It was his second loan season at the club before he joined on a permanent deal in 2021. He says he's been enjoying his role at the Etihad.
0: Since I've been here, I've loved it. Get on with all the lads and for the talent that they've got, they're a proper down to earth great, 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 one of the, if not the one of the best that I've, I've been involved with, with the team spirit so it's, um, it's brilliant. I've just got to be 100% every single day, I've got to set an, an example for, for the young ones coming through. I'm still working as as hard as I can and I know that I'm not going to play. It still doesn't stop me working hard and I think most importantly just having a, having a smile on your face.
5: When you see Carson behind the scenes and around the squad, you can see how valued he is. His contract expires at the end of the season, but there'll be no complaints if he's offered an extension whether it's as a third goalkeeper again or as a coach instead. He may not have featured on the pitch too often in his three years at City, but you can't say that he's not had an impact on the club.
4: Hi, it's Nicky Weaver and you're
6: listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
3: This is the Blue Moon Podcast.
5: But don't worry. It'll be over soon.
1: That was Sam Roscoe looking at Scott Carson's role at City. Um, I, again, Adam, I, I hate coming to you for the stats, but you run a website that is statcity.co.uk, <laughs> so of course I'm coming to you with these stats. Um, I, I have had COVID this week, so I've had no work on other than lying on the sofa. So I dedicated my Tuesday to trying to find any players that had made more appearances for different clubs at the Etihad than Scott Carson, because Carson's done it for Liverpool, Charlton, Aston Villa, West Brom, Wigan, and now City, uh, making six i don't think there's anybody else out there that's got that's got more appearances at the etihad for for different clubs
4: no he, he should get to keep the stadium now after that many appearances i think <laughs> uh, we'll just rename it the scott carson stadium the um, scott carson arena that'll do yeah exactly we'll, we'll do that he deserves that um yeah you'd, you'd assume it'd be a goalkeeper of any other team thinking ben foster and people like that but i think scott carson's out on his own now yeah. deserved
1: yeah, Peter Crouch is close. James Milner's close. James Milner mm. might actually, if he if he moves on from Liverpool and joins another Premier League club, he might mm. uh, he might break the record. Um, uh, I mean, the the other thing is uh, uh, playing against City. Carson has, uh, has only ever kept two clean sheets out of nine appearances, and the the list of names that have scored against him is quite uh, quite illustrious mm. as well. Uh, any uh, any immediately spring to mind, Adam? Can you, uh, you name
4: anybody? I could only know the uh, Kiki Masampa one, I think. Yeah. Liverpool were flying high in the Champions League campaign that season, I think. And uh, we needed a win towards the end of that Stuart Pearce season. Great volley past him. And that's kind of the only uh, Scott Carson memory I've got of him playing against us. Bizarre. Yeah. Because I think he came in for that game. He wasn't actually their first choice keeper for that campaign or something. I just remember Scott Carson being in net for that. And I don't really remember opposition goalkeepers that much. So uh, yeah, he that, scored. Was, that was the first goal.
1: He scored an own goal uh, as well, uh, Carson. He, uh, he, he, he touched it onto the post and it, it the post and came back and hit him and went in at uh, at the Hawthorns when he was playing for West Brom. City still lost that game, but uh, yeah, there we are. Uh, Plenty of names on the list. Kiki Masampa, Michael Johnson, uh, Rolando Bianchi, Felipe Caicedo, Rubinho, Nedimanoua. Elano, Daniel Sturridge, Balotelli's done it twice and then uh, the last one was Samir Nasri he, uh, he mm. scored the uh, the consolation against Wigan that time so uh, yeah mm. plenty, of, plenty of love for Scott Carson here uh, right so let's mm. finish with some listener questions get in touch for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast you can email us through the website as well bluemoonpodcast.com uh, one question this week it comes from Craig Black on the emails uh, he says I can't put my finger on exactly what's changed but something feels a little different with Guardiola going up against Klopp and Liverpool this time compared to 2019 both time City were defending champions but this time it seems like Pep is a lot more relaxed about it all I remember in 2019 he was avoiding watching Liverpool play and talking about concentrating on doing his own job this time he keeps saying there's games left there's points to play for and I actually think it's making me more stressed what do you think about his demeanour and how are your nerves coping um uh, before we get into this Sarah, I just want to play this I, I think it's interesting that the difference between Guardiola and Klopp um how they've been talking in the, in the, in the last few weeks. Because uh, Klopp gave an interview recently where he said uh, that he, he claimed he didn't know when City were playing. And I find it quite hard to believe that when you're in the throes of a title race like this, that you, you're not keeping tabs on every little thing. Um, but he said he was focusing on Liverpool. He didn't know when City were going to be playing. And then after the Palace game, uh, Guardiola was asked if he'd be watching Liverpool against Arsenal last night. Uh, and this is what he said.
6: I'm going to, to watch Champions League tomorrow. And Wednesday, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm going to watch because at uh, the end Arsenal Liverpool is an a interesting game
5: to watch. You are listening to the Blue Moon
1: podcast. And I, I find that interesting because in twenty eighteen, uh, when United lost to West Brom in that game that handed City the title, Guardiola was on the golf course. Uh, in twenty nineteen, when Leicester were playing uh, Liverpool just after City had dropped points, uh, he was he was he went to the theatre because he couldn't stomach it. It, it. It's it is an interesting kind of um, approach to this season, at the end of this season, isn't it?
3: It is. I, I can't tell from that that quote whether he was whether he's saying he's going to watch Champions League on Wednesday or whether he's going to watch Arsenal Liverpool. I, I think it was all a bit vague. Is he more relaxed? I don't, I, he certainly seems in 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 contrast to Jurgen Klopp. He's he's definitely he's definitely ch- more chilled. I would say, but I don't know whether that's just a case of we've all been here before, and I think there is that sense that, as I said, that this this. This season is quite similar to that two thousand nineteen twenty season in terms of sorry to nineteen season in terms of how close it is at this stage of the season and as I said before city did come out on top of that one you know I think people almost forget that that, that kind of because there was this idea that Liverpool were going to inevitably win the title and people forget that actually city held on so maybe, maybe there is a psychological thing of do you know what this is not that this is not that big and to go back to the Klopp stuff about not knowing when City play absolute bollocks you know it, <laughs> it is nonsense it's like managers in relegation battles oh no we don't look at the table You're, absolute bollocks you can, there's no way on earth that someone in a relegation battle doesn't look at the table or anyone in a promotion battle doesn't look at the other, other team's fixtures and it is nonsense and we all know it's nonsense <laughs> it's like, I don't really know why they go this charade of like we're only doing our own thing you can't be only doing your own thing. That's not how this works. This is a you know this is a two club title race. You, you, you're not doing it on your own. And I don't know if there's been much of a difference in Guardiola's demeanor. Obviously, I'm not following him in the same in the same sort of way that you guys are. Is there a difference? Have you seen it, Adam? Um,
4: he's. I think it's a case of been there, done that, as you alluded to. Yeah, that's to. what I think. Yeah, and because we've been in, I think what he's saying is we've been in front of them, <clears throat> so it's not necessarily. We have still, it's still in our hands. I know it's in their hands as well, but I think it's coming out from a way of it. it's still in our hands. So it doesn't matter what they do. I We can enjoy watching their games. Whereas when we were chasing them, it was out of our hands. So we can't impact anything. We just need to do our job. So I think he's now the shoe's on the other foot. is pretending that he's being quite uh, okay with watching their games. But you know, they'll be doing every mathematical equation of what a draw means, what a loss means, and what a win means, definitely. Both sides of the fence will be doing that.
1: Yeah, Adam. Um, final question for you how uh, How do you cope with the nerves? Because it, like we're th- th- we're all nervous. There's no there's no way yeah. around it. But uh, if Guardiola's relaxed, does that make you relaxed or does that make no, you a I, more I, worried?
4: I don't I don't cope with the nerves. I the my nerves are migraine inducing. That's how uh, that's how involved I am with this. Um, I go back to it, the nerves being a nice thing as well. In that, I would much rather be nervous about a title race than nervous about a relegation battle. And we just need to enjoy it for what it is, enjoy that we, we're we one of the top two teams in the country. I flip from minute to minute about we're going to do it, we're going to romp it to we're going to fall short. The nerves are short. Uh, the week is dominated by the football. But if you ask me now, we're going to do it by one point.
1: Okay. Uh, how about? I, I know I promised that was the final question, but I've I thought of another one while while you were talking. Um, how about if uh, Liverpool go and nick the title, but City are able to uh, make another Champions League final this time, maybe win it?
4: Oh man, you'd have to guarantee me that at the time. I don't. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, I know. But the Premier League's the bread and butter. The Premier League is the people you work with week in, week out who have given you stick, the people you went to school with when you were the only City fan in the school. Um, You know, it's not, the Champions League is the one the club wants more. I think we'll win plenty more Premier Leagues. You don't know how often Champions Leagues are going to come about. So, for this one, let's have a swap because they seem to do well in the Champions League. We'll we'll put some blue ribbons on it for a change this time. I'll let you have that one. You
1: know what's going to happen now, don't you? See, it'll get through the <laughs> FA Cup tie. They'll draw Liverpool in the FA Cup and then, oh, they'll, no. they, then no. they'll have them either in the Champions League semis or no. the Champions League final. There you go. Uh, that, enjoy that end of the season.
4: <laughs> I'm, I would, I would, I'd be behind my settee for most of that, definitely.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right, well, that's it for today's episode of the Blue Moon Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please go and give it a rating and a review wherever you can, especially on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to my guests, Adam Carter thank you and Sarah Winterburn thank you Uh, if you'd like extra podcasts we've got bonus episodes for Patreon backers they're out every Monday this week's was an episode of the games that made me and Liam Wright was my guest here's a little clip
8: I reckon if you asked a lot of City fans do you know where Wickham is they won't even know (laughs) right and so I mean that that year I went to two game two away games with my my dad Um, and this game actually went with my uncle as well um, it was a Tuesday night. I think my dad got tickets through some sort of corporate thing or something because I remember being in a box, like uh, surrounded by Wickham fans. And uh, well, I mean, I, uh, let's say there was ten thousand people there. There was only probably about three thousand Wickham fans. You know, there was obviously a lot of City fans there, but then you know, a lot of just lo- people local to Wickham who would have gone to the game for for, for the event, really. Um, yeah. And having two relegations in three years, the feeling of losing was bad. Um, but at the same time something you were getting used to watching City which is a complete opposite of where we are where we're at 20 odd years later yeah. um, and the Wickham game is still you know when me and my dad and my, my uncle we've got our little WhatsApp group together where we talk about City still and uh, we we often Go back to just talking about that night, and you know, about eighty. Well, about six months earlier, we'd been to Swindon together, and you know, some of the players that played that night talking about how how bad it was. So, it it just for, for us being there, me and my dad and my uncle, it will always stick out as being the lowest point watching City. And you go go back to the you know initial point why I mentioned this game. Uh, while talk about any of these games, it shapes your way that you support the club and. Knowing that we shouldn't go any lower than that it shapes you in a way because um, I've seen something as bad as losing at Wickham.
1: That was a taster of this week's Patreon bonus show. If you'd like to listen to the full thing, it's out now. Just take a look at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. I'll be back next week to reflect on that FA Cup tie with Southampton, so I will see you then. <laughs>